0: the going in circles podcast hosted by horseman chuck simon to become a sponsor to suggest topics or for questions email going in circles podcast at gmail.com and log on to our facebook page going in circles podcast here's your host chuck simon
1: hello everyone welcome to going in circles live we're back after taking a week break for the thanksgiving holiday it was a lot of uh a lot of racing to the, the thanksgiving long weekend is traditionally a a uh, a big racing weekend kind of a capper of the year um cigar mile was was used to be held on the saturday following thanksgiving but it's been moved now and and, and uh the race and the Demoiselle and the Remsen and uh, the Gopher Wand. They're going to be held on this coming Saturday, which I, I think last year was the first year they did that. And um, coming up at 3.30, Jason Bitis, uh Jose Lescano's agent, is going to go through those races with us. Um, they have not been drawn, but Jay's got a pretty good uh, feel for who's going to be in it. And um, kind of go over those races, uh, some some pretty big names. Uh, the, the two year old races obviously are, uh, important. They're, they're points races for the Oaks and the Derby. Uh, not many points, but they are points races that they're also, uh, at a mile and an eighth. Uh, the first um, graded stake money available on the dirt at a, at a mile and an eighth. And, um, looked like there, there'll be pretty contentious fields. um, for those the cigar mile obviously is always a a top race it's a it's a handicap I mean the weight spread isn't very isn't very big um, they ran the fall high weight the other day and horses uh, which is always kind of a unique race where the horses carry um, I guess for lack of a better word high weight In the winner I, I think carried hundred and thirty three pounds which is a uh, not seen pretty much at, at any other time in in this country, unless uh, you're talking about steeplechase races. But um, but we'll have Jay on it a little little after three thirty uh, to talk about uh, the weekend at Naira, which is kind of the last weekend of graded stakes quality racing, at, at least um, in the East Coast. Uh, the with Churchill closing. This past weekend, and uh, these races at Aqueduct kind of finish off their uh, the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of their fall steak schedule. And uh, Santa Anita closing, or excuse me, Santa Anita uh, Del Mar closing after having their turf festival last weekend. And you have the short Los Alamitos meet, and then it picks back up with the uh, Santa Anita winter meet, which uh, begins... This year, I believe it begins before Christmas, which it was usually traditionally the, the 26th, the day after Christmas, was the opening day of Santa Anita. But but things change, and it's not really that important. It's just important that we're, uh, we're able to run, that uh, as the country seems to be shifting back into a pandemic um, or, or more of a uh, pandemic issue. We're just seeing a lot of issues, especially in other sports. Uh, football, obviously, college football has been interrupted quite a bit with uh, with COVID issues, and, and this weekend, uh, the NFL has had some some strange things going on. You had the the Denver Broncos playing without quarterbacks which was kind of a bizarre uh, happening. And they've moved the the Pittsburgh Steelers' Baltimore Ravens game around so much. It was supposed to be last Thursday, then it was supposed to be Sunday, then it was supposed to be today, and now it's going to be tomorrow, uh, if it actually is played. So you're seeing the effects that it, COVID has on other sports, and racing is... Listen, racing does a lot of things really badly. We, we, we screw up a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of uh, issues we, we need to be better in. But the one thing that racing has gotten right for the most part is dealing with the pandemic. And most of the measures that have been taken by, by different tracks and regarding the jockeys, regarding fans on the track, regarding the backside and things like that... Um, they're not always, you're never going to get everyone to agree that they're all great ideas. There's always going to be some grumbling no matter what, but they seem to have worked for the most part. And racing has had a couple issues uh, with some positive tests that have shut down some places of uh, colonial, most notably kind of lost their meat um, because of a, a widespread uh positive testing uh, of jockeys and you know there's only so many jockeys to go around we can't get along without them but for the most part the tracks have done a really good job Uh, Gulfstream is opening up tomorrow which uh, again is is kind of um, a different opening than they have been doing for the last several years especially since the claiming Crown was moved to Gulfstream kind of permanently it served as a opening day feature, uh, for the championship meet. And, and it's actually gone off pretty well. Uh, the fields are always strong and the handle has grown uh, to the point where it, it's, it's a, a, a relatively major day. And, you know, you have full fields for the most part of horses coming from a lot of different, uh areas and there's not a lot of favorites winning and, and, uh, they're, they're kind of interesting races. And, uh they're still going to have the claiming crown this this uh this Saturday however it's not going to be opening day as tomorrow is is opening day they're racing this weekend uh right through the weekend and fans are not going to be allowed at the track uh for the near future um kind of out of an abundance of of caution and I, I can't disagree um, with the decision. And it's it's uh, more important than anything is that we continue to race, that we we get the races run, and uh, we don't have any interruptions to the racing schedule, which which you know causes hardships for everyone. And it stinks not to have fans there. It really does. It's it's an empty grandstand. It's it's a different environment. We've talked about this a lot of different times. Um, but for now, uh, not, uh, not allowing fans is, is probably the right thing to do. And, and, uh, you know, take the safe, the cautious way owners will be allowed. There, there are going to be a few areas where they're allowed, uh, owners and trainers can, can congregate in the North Tiki area. Um, there, there's going to be some outdoor dining in 10 Palms, no indoor dining, um, there are suites that are available for rent. Obviously, um, you have to pay for those. But um, but right now, it's uh, it's really just not probably a good idea to have too many people coming from too many different places and, and risk shutting down. Uh, um, you know, one of the premier winter meets that that we have. Uh, Tampa got their start, uh, kicked off last week. Um, so they're already up and running, uh, fairgrounds as well. They're, they're, they're running. So uh, we're pretty much in full winter mode here. Uh, the, the Naira, four Naira, graded Naira stakes this weekend is kind of, uh, kind of the end of the road for the, the Northern, uh, stakes, uh, schedule for the year. And, uh, it's uh it's winter unfortunately and it's uh a little chilly here this this morning I'm sure no one wants to hear how chilly it is when it's 60 degrees but uh it's it's definitely winter and uh and hopefully we we didn't know last year heading into the winter time what we would uh what would befall us here in march we we had no idea um this year obviously we're we're hoping that things go smooth and uh that that just um there's just so many variables it's it's a difficult thing to uh, to plan for, but racing has done a a pretty a pretty good job. We got all the classics in. we got most of the big major races in. we got the breeders cup in. Um, you know, there is some good news that Delmar just had a successful meet. Their handle was up about 22%. Um, I believe Oak numbers, not the quote unquote official numbers, which seem to be bizarre, but, um, handle was up. There was no fatalities during the racing, which is two meets in a row. I think that's, uh, it's nice. It's great. We, we want that. That's not what we you know obviously our goal is is to have as few fatalities as possible clearly um and i think that it's something that um you know needs to be needs to be talked about because certainly when the opposite happens that gets tons tons and tons of media coverage but doing the right thing and getting things right then they have Done. California racing. I've been critical of them for many, many different reasons, and they deserve it on a lot of different occasions because um, the the California Racing Board has. I mean, they've screwed up all majorly. Um, some of the things that happened in California, uh, the 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 passing of of the whip rule was was kind of hastily done, and, and, and it's it's just been confusing. And, and you have some jockeys that have had had four or five different violations, and they're still getting the same penalty. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to cry about that, because I think that it's almost silly, the rules that they've put in place. But um, how, how do we, you know, how, how do we, uh, if you're going to have rules, you're going to have rules. and um. And California is going to struggle with horses. It's expensive to train there. It's expensive to own horses there. Um, And the purse structure is just not that strong, uh, especially compared to tracks like Naira, like Kentucky, uh, Keeneland and Churchill, and soon-to-be Turfway that have the benefit of alternate gaming. And it's just a fact of life these days that uh, to tracks with alternate gaming, Oaklawn is is a great example, and Oaklawn's done a super job. And yes, they they only race a few months, and and they have uh, a year's worth of of uh, revenues that are being generated, and they built a big hotel, and and uh, they've made a lot of uh, a lot of improvements there. But but things are successful, and and this. Horse racing. We have enough things that aren't successful that we we need to do. We do need to uh, accent the positives and uh, not the you know trainer positives. But um, Oakland's done a great job. Their their meat is uh, a better meat. It's stronger. There's better horses there. There's better racing, and that's without a, a single turf race. So uh, it's hard for California to compete, um, and certainly the facilities the the Calif- uh, Santa Anita has just put in a turf shoot that they're going to use at different distances, um, which is, you know, a good thing being that there's so many turf races run. I, I was kind of chuckling when looking at uh, Aqueduct this weekend and, you know, the Aqueduct Turf Sprint Championship is a, is a term that, that 20 years ago, <laughs> we- would have got you a, 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 you know, kind of a funny look like, what? <laughs> Aqueduct has a turf sprint championship. Aqueduct, Aqueduct doesn't even have turf sprints, but they do. And it's a, it's a big part of racing. I think the first uh, two out of the first three races tomorrow at Gulfstream, opening day of their championship meet, is uh, turf sprints. And uh, people, they race them, they, they enter them, they're big fields. Personally, I, I have a hard time handicapping the races. It's, uh, it's more of a crapshoot than, than the other type of races. Even, even dirt sprints, um, seem to be a little more formful. Um, I have no numbers to back that. It's just, uh, sometimes you look at the races on, on the grass that are in five, the five throwing races, especially where speed is, is so important or you get races where the speed all collapses and the horse comes over the top and, and runs by them all and, I just, uh, I just find them hard to handicap, but people bet them and, and people certainly trainers and owners like them because they, they fill those races, uh, really, really strong. So as we move into the winter season, we have a, a, a lot of, uh, shippers. I know there's been a lot of people shipping this week has been very, very busy at Palmettos and at, at Gulfstream with, uh, people shipping in and, uh, uh, we'd be remiss not to mention the fact that um, Gulfstream Park West, the track formerly known as Calder, uh, saw its last race on Saturday, and I was over on Friday and uh, took some pictures and just kind of, kind of, kind of said goodbye. And it's um, it's kind of a. a it, Calder's kind of been in racetrack hospice for a while and that once the grandstand came down, it was kind of only a matter of time. Um, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, and, and uh, certainly we knew that this day would come. But uh, it, it's a difficult situation for people like me, people of my age and older that that grew up with Calder. And grew up with Hollywood Park. And grew up with, uh, soon to be probably gone as Arlington Park. Suffolk Downs, and Rockingham and Atlantic City and Garden State. Um, to a lesser extent, Sportsman's. Hialeah. And I get life goes on. And, and you know, racing is uh, an evolving sport. And we're so tied in now to alternate gaming revenues. That the places that don't have them um, really struggle to keep up. The uh, places like Gulfstream that have them, but not to the extent uh, where the the money is really uh, hugely beneficial. The money is is the the, the, the money that was well gotten for purses from Calder and from Gulfstream's casinos was probably roughly what uh new york gets in a month we we would get in a year so it's just uh there's a lot of competition down here for the casino dollar there's the dania highlight there's the old hollywood dog track there's the the hard rock which is you know put in billions of dollars in renovations uh there's a couple other ones in miami there there's there's just a lot of uh a lot of competition where aqueduct and their casino sits where there's literally no competition. So, um, and you know, Oak lawn, Oak lawn is on another one. They don't really have any competition and they're in, uh, that kind of resort resortish area. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're generating purses, purse money all year round and only running a short period of time. So it, it's just a, kind of a, a sad thing. In that, you were not replacing those those tracks, um, the tracks that had character as well. And you know, sometimes maybe we're a little over dramatic about talking about character in in actual buildings. But when you see the 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 tracks that we have um, that are that are built now, they're basically little grandstands, not much for amenities and. Big slot parlors, and uh, a slot parlor is like the least. Uh, the, the, it'd be the, a building with the least amount of character. It, it's it's a warehouse almost with with slot machines. They're they're wherever you look, it's the same. Uh, I went to Hialeah last fall, and, and to walk in there. And just walk around a little bit, and, it, and it's still it, it's well man, maintained, and they do have a casino over there, and uh, the, the the grandstand is, is in great condition, and the back the backyard um, is is still in super you know super good condition, and uh, it's just yet you just have a, a a different feeling about it. And Barry and I talked last night on on the big Monday show. We talked about um, when we were kids and how. You would go to, uh, you know, it's that feeling you get to go when you go to Saratoga and it's kind of a big deal and there's kind of an energy to it. There's a lot of people there and the it's a big deal. There, there's people selling tip sheets and there's uh, lines to get <laughs> and, and and it sounds weird, but um, it's just, it's like the old days. And that used to be like that even at Belmont, maybe not on a Wednesday, but on a Saturday at Belmont was with a good card. There, there was an energy to it. You would park out in the parking lot and take the bus in with all the people and everybody would have their form and be handicapped in the races. And, and, um, you know, Hollywood park was a really unique place. I I was only there a few times, but it it was a a cool track. It, It just was a, a really nice, um, nice place, it was just a racetrack, a racetrack's racetrack, for lack of a better word, and uh Suffolk, you know, when I was, went to Suffolk, it was kind of dumpy, but it was still an old-time racetrack, and I get, you know, there's no need to build racetracks to have 25,000 people sitting there in the stands and watching, because outside of a Breeders' Cup or a uh, a Belmont stakes or a Preakness or a Derby, that doesn't happen, but but um it is different and, and it is it is a loss and uh racing year round at one track is is always um a lot less desirable than when there's a move. Um parks is a great example and this is not to denigrate parks but the the sameness the monotonous the 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 fact that no one ever leaves it's the same thing the same people the same horses the same the same the same the same and it gets a little bit old and the fact that um you know the, you're not going for uh, all like I know not, not Saratoga is a lot longer than just August nowadays but that's the the beauty of the Naira circuit was you you would move you would go from place to place and and that was the the situation in California where you go to Del Mar for the summer, you come back, Santa Anita would have Oak tree. Um, the Santa Anita would have their, their, you know, winter and spring meet. Hollywood would, would be in the summertime and there'd be different places. And, and, and each track of course has a little bit of a different setup and they play a little different. And, um, you know, that, that sameness gets to be, it gets to be a little, um, I guess monotonous really is, is, is the word. And and I know there's plans at Gulfstream to try to um, uh, split it up a little bit, and they're not going to use all 40 days. And no one's wanted all 40 days. The The 40 days is, is, is was only run only because it was required by the legislature in order for Churchill Downs to keep their slot license, they called her. And I know for a fact that they were asked if we could cut to 32 days, four days a week, because there's just not enough horses here to support the racing at five days a week for too long. And to be honest, they did a good job this year at Calder. The the weather was just terrible. Um, It was just brutal. I mean, there was so much rain and they lost so many turf races uh but it, it it still turned out to be a, a pretty successful meet that handles up a tick and and um you know despite all the the uh races taken off of the, the turf and and all the the cancellations and things like that it, it was it was still uh, um you know it went out uh, you know <laughs> i guess uh it's it just kind of it's like when you you extinguish the flame at the when the candles burn to the end, and that that's kind of how it felt. At Calder. It Calder was just not much there. It just was a shell of itself, and uh, and uh, it'll be missed. It'll certainly be missed. And I I know there's been you know conjecture about Hialeah for years about them filling in the blanks, which would be great. I mean, there's I don't know anyone that wouldn't really love the fact. Uh, that Hialeah still exists and 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 could still host a race meet of, of some sort, even uh, maybe a three week, four week kind of short meet um, in the fall sometime. But the people that own Hialeah uh, have a very successful casino, and it's expensive to put it. They haven't run on the turf course there since I think two thousand one. So you're talking 20 years since they've run turf races. And uh, when I was there, there was a big pile of dirt where the turf course would be. So it would cost a lot of money to get that turf course back in order. Uh, they haven't run real races in a long time there. They've run those fake races. But uh, certainly the the track getting the track back in order would be expensive. Um, there's no barns there. Some sort of uh, temporary arrangements would have to be made. And I don't know that the Brunetti family feels that it's worth the expense. Um, they're doing well. They're not not doing well. And I don't know that um, that they're really, um, you know, interested in in, ha- in ha- having a meet and hosting a meet. And uh, this is again, I have no none of them called me and said, hey, we don't want it, but. I know there's been meetings and nothing much has come of it, and and no one seems to feel like uh, anything is imminent there. And it would be great. I, I, there was talk a couple years ago about Haley being a, a permanent Breeders' Cup host, um, either on a, a a scale a switching scale where they would go back and forth between um, you know Kentucky, the Midwest, uh, Santa Anita. Out west and and delmar and um and maybe hialeah because we really don't have any um any east coast uh, breeders cup um areas name I mean, gulf stream just isn't big enough to host it um monmouth had, had it kind of had a you know it was kind of a disaster there uh, mostly because of the weather but that's a factor naira doesn't seem to have any interest in holding the breeders cup anymore um I don't know if Woodbine would ever be back in the mix. Obviously they have a a poly track there and there's um, just not very many synthetic tracks left. So uh, competing, uh, having championship races over that surface, I don't know if that's going to fly. If if people feel like the breeders cup, people feel like that would be a a good, um, a good idea or not a good idea. I really don't know. But um there was talk about that. The, the problem, of course, being, again, that it would take a, a pretty significant investment to get the track back in racing shape, figure out the, the barn area of, uh you know, have to kind of be a ship-in meet. And the Breeders' Cup, when, when tracks host the Breeders' Cup, the the bulk of the revenues go to the Breeders' Cup, and the tracks are... um. I don't know the exact, uh, numbers, but the tracks don't get much of the revenue. So, um, again, putting a, making a large investment for something, you wouldn't get, uh, a whole lot of money out of, you know, obviously the breeders cup would have to be, you know, go partners or something, but, uh, it's still there and it's still beautiful. And it's, it's still, uh, um, you know, still on people's minds, and uh it's i wish i wish we could get something worked out that way you know sometimes you you talk about uh i guess it's like the news you turn the news on right and it's mostly negative stories it's it's not that many stories that are uh considered big positive smiley face stories those are kind of fluff stories almost and Most news is bad, and and sometimes, um, you know, you you do podcasts like this, and you wind up talking about the controversial or the topics of the day, and a lot of times are, are, unfortunately, there's a negative connotation to them. But I want desperately to talk about things that are positive. I really do. It's just so hard, and so many people in the business are are so seemingly insulated from the real world of the business. And and that might seem like a strange kind of, uh, description, but there's a lot of things that happen in this business that a lot of other people don't seem to get. And man, I, I just wish that, um, I really wish we could we could focus so much more on trying to to fix what we can fix and try to get um, to the point where racing is growing again and real growth. A lot of the handle growth we don't know where the handle even comes from anymore, and that's it's hard for me to take at face value when the reasoning that handle at certain tracks or wherever is increasing or increased or showed some gains, uh, if it's gains from guys that aren't actually betting, if it's from algorithms, then the gains really aren't gains. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. You, you, once you let those guys in the pools, it's hard to, to, to go reverse course. And, uh, you know, we need more actual people betting, people that handicap the races, that watch the races, that follow the races, that have a good idea of what the hell's going on, have a good opinion, understand racing, and, and virtually no one I know has a better opinion or understands the actual racing game better than our, our guest, Mr. Jason Bitas. Jason, how are you?
0: Oh, I don't know about all of that, Chuck, but I'm okay. Hope you're not an Indiana Hoosier fan and
1: college hoops. No, I uh, uh, I see that they're getting thrashed.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's not too pretty if you're an Indiana Hoosier fan, Chuck.
1: Well, they're good at football this year, you know. There's no way yeah, they are going to be yeah. both. You know, I mean, like it's just like a rule.
0: Where, where did that come from?
1: I I I have no idea. I it's hard to follow college football these days because like the Pac-10 just started playing it's December, right? So, some teams have like two games. Other teams haven't played in two weeks. They change the schedules like on a weekly basis, and this team doesn't play, and that team does play. And, it's, and, and and I looked up the other day, and Indiana was ranked like eighth, and I'm thinking, man, I didn't think their basketball team was that good this year. Then I was like, holy – that's football. <laughs> like, what, what the hell's going on? <laughs> North right Carolina is now- good at football.
0: Right now I'm watching
1: the Maui classic from North Carolina. So how much weirder does it get than that? <laughs> yeah, Maui, North Carolina. Right? <laughs> oh man. Hey, well there's a Rome, New York, right?
0: Uh, you would know better than me.
1: And it's not it's not like the they don't have pizza like the Rome and in, in the real Rome. Oh, I would but, imagine not. You guys had a Jason if if, if anyone doesn't know uh, is is Jose lescano's agent, and they won a couple stakes this week. Um You're like the turf sprint champion of Aqueduct.
0: <laughs> How'd that happen?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I said before, early in the show, as you know, 20 years ago, if you said, "Yeah, we won the 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 Aqueduct Turf Sprint Championship," people would look at you like you're nuts. Like, like well, what? <laughs> You know, Aqueduct. You always thought inner track, you know, and gray, and like turf sprint championship. It just was never a, a thing, but uh, but now it's a thing.
0: Yeah, I'm glad they have it too, Chuck. Because I think we've won it uh, the last couple of years in a row in succession.
1: Well, there you go, man. That 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 is that is everybody. You know, you got to have a strength. You got to be good at something, and that that is what you're like excelling at. <laughs> Turf well, nuts. not me,
0: Jose Lascano
1: Jose Lascano, yeah Have you ever actually ridden a horse?
0: You know what, Chuck? Uh, when we had uh, the pony I don't remember It wasn't Hank It was the the first pony that we ever had Hot Brown? Kingdom. Yeah, I guess that was his name And uh, I used to get on him He was pretty cool I think he tried to go down And shed roll with me on one time on occasion, <laughs> And I think that was the end of my riding career
1: yeah, he he didn't. Like, he he made it to ghost. I, I gave him the Jimmy Jerkins. I said, "You you want the you want a pony?" He's like, "What?" And I was like, "I can't ride him." He's he's yeah. like, nobody can ride him. Nobody, you know, the people that actually can yeah. ride don't want to ride him. So, do you want him? And he took him, and he and he liked him. He didn't care, but yeah, he was uh,
0: a little goofy, if you remember.
1: Yeah, remember remember the the the, the big sales executive Max Hodge was was our, our personal <laughs> pony groom. He came in and remember the first time he put the saddle on him, and we heard some uh, interesting words coming out of the stall when the horse flipped over. But that, those were the, oh those boy. Were the days.
0: <laughs> yeah, they show up.
1: You remember, one day we, we were stable across the street at Keeneland, Rice Road. There's, there's a little training mm-hmm. center, about what, about 10 barns. And we had a horse we had claimed by a French deputy by, uh, named El Balazano. Mm-hmm. And he was a two-year-old and he was a pretty nice horse, but he was, he, he was spooky. Like he, he, he was afraid of his own shadow and he was always kind of like edgy, you know, and he got loose one afternoon and we didn't think we were going to catch him. (laughs) Remember? (laughs) We chased that horse for like an hour. Man. Uh,
0: I think he saw a ghost, that horse, Chuck. (laughs)
1: He, he was he was a uh, he was a tricky type of horse. That, that's for but sure. But if you
0: remember one thing correctly, that day when he got loose, we did learn something about him. He loved the grass.
1: He did love the grass. That's very that's very true. You know, it's <laughs> and funny. We found the
0: grass career for him.
1: Yeah, he, he did okay. We went, uh, speaking of Hialeah, I was just talking about Hialeah. He he won a race at Hialeah. and I wasn't there. I was in Kentucky, and this was in the Dark Ages when. We had to like call stretch call. There was a nine hundred number that you called to, yeah. to hear the stretch call to find out what what the hell happened in the race. And uh, yeah, he he won over there at, at uh, an allowance race at Highley on on Easter Sunday. On Easter yeah. Sunday, and there's. I'll a- tell you.
0: So- I'll tell you something interesting about him, really quick. Um, when we first claimed him, I don't know if you remember this, but I think. Went and dropped the slip arm. I can't really remember that part, but anyway, he came home solo and I was waiting at Keeneland for him. So I went up to the van with a shank, you know, to get him off the van and he would not move, Chuck. I mean, he was just like almost, you know, frozen really. And uh, I called you and I said, Chuck, I know you're not going to be happy about this, but uh, (laughs) I got a problem, you know, with this call. You know, I think it was a gelding at the time. But I said I can't get the horse off the van. I know you're going to think I'm out of my mind. And then you wound up coming, and it took you a while, but you did get him off.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he was he, he was, and he was big too. He was he was a big horse. He, yeah. he was he was big and strong, even as a two-year-old. He was real
0: leggy, and then he kind of grew into himself later on.
1: Yeah, he, we ran him over at Virginia uh, at Colonial Downs in a in a five and a half turf race, and <laughs> and Herbie Castillo got checked fifteen times in a five furlong race. I said to him after the race, I said, I think that's a record. And he looked at me like record for what? He goes, number of times checked in one race. <laughs> you know,
0: I think he was out of a Seattle slow wasn't he?
1: Uh he was he had a really good pedigree. He had a yeah. uh, Hal yeah. Steele trained him. Remember Hal Steele?
0: Yeah, I do remember him, yeah. But um We're dating ourselves, but uh,
1: yeah, I, I know, that that really is. It's it's uh He he had a really nice female family, and I can't remember who he was he,
0: I'm pretty sure it was out of the Seattle Slug Yeah.
1: But uh but back to the, the modern day. <laughs> um Aqueduct's kind of uh wrapping up the Naira State schedule here this weekend with uh, the cigar mile and the, the the Philly kind of uh the Philly version, the go for wand, which um which I was looking at the PPs and that is a a very soft soft <laughs> race man. Knows.
0: Yeah, that'd, that'd be the worst of the four races that we're going to run on Saturday by far. The other two being the Damoiselle and the Remsen, which are you know somewhat interesting for two year olds going two turns.
1: Now, let's just talk about start off with the Cigar Mile because I I wanted to ask you you are you riding uh, Forensic Fire in there?
0: Yeah, yeah, actually. We could have ridden Forenze Fire, or actually Jack Sisterson is going to run True Timber as well, who we were just second on in the Lafayette mm-hmm. at Keeneland Breeders' Cup Day. He yeah. ran very well that day, but you know our loyalty lies with forense Fire.
1: Well, forense Fire at least wins races once in a while. It's true Timber.
0: <laughs> yeah, True Timber, I, true
1: I had a he, half-sister he, he to True up. Timber. So I know all about True Timber. I followed him for forever, and I remember kept asking Kieran McLaughlin when he trained him. I said, Kieran, can you please just send him somewhere like Mountaineer? There's got to be a race he can, a stake he can win. I want to put this filly in the sale because she wasn't very good. Um, she was it's funny
0: because I remember you telling me about that because I told you True Timber could run as a two year old.
1: Yeah. Yep, that's why I bought the horse. And, yeah, because yeah, and,
0: I was working at the time for Kendrick Karamuč, who actually broke his maiden at Aqueduct as a two-year-old.
1: He he was a horse, and he would always run good. And he ran he ran huge in the Cigar Mile like three years ago. Mm-hmm. He ran a huge race in yeah. the Cigar Mile like it was he he was sitting up close and he dropped back. And I think Kendrick rode him, and he dropped mm-hmm. back and it looked like he was dead. And then he kind of like circled outside and re rallied. And, and I think Chad Brown won the race, but. Um, he ran a really big race, and and I was like, man, this horse is sitting on a grade one win and pff, second, third, third, fourth, second, third. Oh yeah.
0: man! And that's just his mo, Chuck. I mean, he hasn't won a race in two years now. No, he's,
1: nice. he's 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 earned a ton of money, but he never actually wins.
0: Yeah, he's over the million dollar mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's you know, like you'd love to own him, but it's just frustrating. Yeah. And I, I kept waiting for that horse to 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 just win a stake you know yeah. like a stake, yep. but uh we sold the mare, we did fine, and she she brought uh, i think she brought twenty five or thirty thousand she she actually acted like she could run she had she had worked on the turf really really well a couple of times, um but she just was a nervous horse and and the races she just never would settle, and she'd try to run off or she'd run scared, you know, like it just uh. And should probably throw like all grade one horses, you know, because that's how that goes. It's funny because Sounds
0: like silent emotion without the ability.
1: Silent emotion without the talent,
0: yes. That's that's for
1: sure. Um so the cigar mile, it's kind of um Is Nick's go, is is Nick's go a go?
0: No, Chuck, Nick's go is a no go.
1: So there is no uh, Nick's I heard,
0: go. I heard that he's pointing for the Pegasus.
1: Really? Um
0: I can give you a rundown if you want.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Okay, so now these are all probable, Chuck. Nothing's etched in stone, but uh
1: now Jack we, we won't we won't hold it we won't hold uh <laughs> hold it to it.
0: Well anyway, Jack Sisterson's looking to bring uh Bon Ray Zone who uh ran in the Breeders Cup sprint last time and uh was a troubled trip tenth. Right. Uh he's also gonna obviously bring true timber. And then you're also looking at uh, let's see, a performer from the Shug McGee barn, a really really nice colt, son of Spice Town is uh, five for six in his life. He's only lost his debut. He's won his last five in a row. His last was off a, a pretty long layoff. It was a nice prep, you know, for this over at Belmont. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Mr. Buff is a, is a possible. I I think he's probably going to run. I'm not positive, but I saw he was listed as a a possible. Uh, Also, you're looking at Mind Control from Greg Sacco Barn, who was an also-ran in that Lafayette, that True Timber was second. Mm. He had some trouble because there was a spill in that race.
1: Right, right.
0: Then uh, the interesting entrant is uh, the Colt, the three-year-old, King Guillermo, who hasn't been out since the Arkansas Derby. He's, uh, I mean... He's the the wild card, I guess you would say of the group you know then there's frese fire and, and that's pretty much your field chuck it's uh it's not uh a lot of entrance, but it's an interesting race
1: right, right No you know, I was thinking about King Guillermo and um to me, a lot of the three year olds outside of authentic kind of disappointed um when you look at the horses. Who were the favorites going into the Derby? Um, Tis the Law, obviously, uh, and um, the, the the horse uh, from Kentucky um, that had to scratch. Um,
0: oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Just uh, can't think his name. It's on the tip of my tongue, yeah, but I know they, you're talking
1: about. Yeah, like they kind of disappointed. They they didn't really. Yeah. Um,
0: he ran in the he ran in Breeders' Cup Mile. Yeah, he
1: ran in the Breeders' Cup Mile it's and really didn't wrong. run any good. He ran into Preakness and really didn't run any good. And and then uh, you know tis the law who who ran well in the Derby, um, but then came back in in, in a, I, I you know clearly with it with a not a great trip, but still did not race. He never really moved forward from his his other races, and I was just thinking, man, a lot of those three year olds really didn't distinguish themselves, and I would just. I question King Guillermo's, um, you know, he's off a long, long layoff, and uh, I just don't know if he's good enough. I art mean, collector,
0: Chuck. Art, art
1: collector, collector, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, art collector. His, yeah,
0: I drew a blank. I
1: don't know. Yeah, I know, same with me. I, he, Tommy Drury. But his, his last yeah. two races really weren't up to par. And, uh, I mean, clearly, two months ago, King Guillermo was – not considered nearly as good as Art Collector or Tis the Law, both who have not really, you know, moved forward. So you wonder, are the three-year-olds this year, with the exception, obviously, of of Authentic, just not that good?
0: Well, the real thing about King Yermo Chuck is where has he been?
1: Well, he's been at Gulfstream Park.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's working up a storm at Gulfstream Park, and, uh, you know, he's going to take on some... Salty the older horses, you know, cutting back to a mile. I mean, he did run very well against Nadal. Who, you know, it's funny, Chuck. You say that maybe the group wasn't that good, but maybe Nadal, maybe he could have been the real deal. I mean, he got hurt, and we'll never know. I guess he's on the comeback trail now. I'm reading. Yeah, but, you know, supposed to say he wasn't for real.
1: No, he, he certainly seemed like he was. He, he seemed like he was the best of Baffert's horses in the springtime. So, no, I mean, he
0: was a powerful, powerful
1: colt. It, it, it's just, uh, you know, and honestly, I'm not going to go into like a dissertation about weights, but I mean, King Guillermo really isn't getting much weight where, yeah. I mean, his credential yeah, is... That's, he,
0: the, that's the thing of of the past, Chuck, with the weight.
1: You know? Yeah. I mean, you would think if this race was in years past, that King Guillermo would be getting nine, ten pounds as a three-year-old. From the the you know the contenders who were all graded you know older horse graded stake winners and he's won one graded stake it was a it was in March uh, you know as, 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 against three year olds you know his, his only other race since then was a second and then he's off a long layoff and he is a three year old and um you know just I guess you're right though it's, the weights just aren't it's it's I, I don't even know why they bother having handicap races they should just make a long weight for age at this point
0: yeah. Probably right, Chuck.
1: So, do you, uh, Fire, he's. Um, you think that the distance won't be an issue?
0: I mean, Chuck, it's definitely an issue because he's basically been running three quarters and seven eighths, and now he has to run an extra eighth. But he's done it in the past when he was younger. Yeah. So you know, one would think that it's definitely within his scope. I think the key is going to be the weather chuck with frenzy fire cuz he despises an off track. Right. And if it was to rain, he probably wouldn't even run.
1: Yeah, his 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 off track form is just not uh, not good at all and you know it's amazing. He's a horse and he's a nice horse and don't get me wrong, I'm not denigrating him in any way shape or form, but he's made 2 million bucks. You know? He's 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 won 12 bad. he's won 12 races mostly yeah, I mean, mostly stake races the
0: boarded,
1: Yeah the, the, these days if you look through um uh, the the field there, there's just not a lot of horses that have have danced as many you know dances as, as he did and and uh he he's a pretty nice horse and uh depending I guess on if uh a Mr. Buff goes in uh, he might actually be right up close to the lead, right? I mean, you wouldn't think he'd coming out of a sprint race, he, he would be too far off of the pace.
0: Yeah, I, I would think that he would be somewhere when, you know, he's a funny horse, Chuck. He's a finicky horse. I thought in the Breeders' Cup sprint, when he broke, he really didn't want to do much. So I think Jose just kind of left him alone. Because he's not the kind of horse that you could get to riding on, if you know what I mean. Right. You just got to really let him do what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, well, he did. He came running, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, he sure did. Now, he followed Whitmore right up the inside, and uh, he he actually galloped out best, Chuck. I know that's worthless, but maybe, maybe this mile is what he wants.
1: Well, this looks like a field he can handle too. I mean, the the it's a decent field. There's you know horses are all pretty good, but there's nobody in there that um, you'd say you know oh wow you know we're not gonna we're not gonna beat him. Um, so. Yeah, I
0: mean the, the one the one horse would be Performer Chuck, and like I said, he's a horse that has done everything right on the racetrack. When he's on the racetrack, he definitely has his fair share of issues, and Shug's been able to manage him through. Uh, whether that one race off that you know, almost uh, year layoff that he had from Discovery to the allowance win, which was, you know, super impressive that day when he dropped a mile in thirty three and four and Joel never asked him at all. So obviously he's gonna have to move a little forward. He's definitely running against, you know, far better horses than he's ever faced in his life. So he will get the class test. But this Colt Chuck has possibilities to be any kind.
1: Right. Yeah, he he certainly he certainly could be um, you know the the type of horse that that becomes a star as a 5-year-old uh and um when you really look at the the landscape the older horses um going you know go, going a distance of ground there's just not much out there. The ones that seem to be the leaders of of the pack last year are mostly retired. Uh, most of the other, like we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the other three year olds are all kind of, um, you know, middling. There's there's not uh, the horse of Pletcher's that won the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Um, you know, he he certainly has to be one of if he moves forward and as a, as a four year old he he certainly uh, could be one of the the better horses too. But um, there's just not a, a whole lot of uh, quality older horses that are returning to the races uh, and the dirt uh, going two turns. And um, I mean, this horse is by Spites town, so I'm not sure that a mile and a quarter is going to be his best distance, but you know, he's certainly not done anything wrong and, and he has tactical speed. And uh, I mean, it, when he, he won that allowance race at Saratoga last year, he came from way out of it. He's, he's run up on the lead. So like you said, Joel didn't have to ask him and he, he won such a, you know a powerful race on, on an off track, and um, you know, Chug's Chug's pretty good with these these like race horses over the years as well. He he, uh, I mean, I see he's got uh, you know three solid works since his last race, and then he he had a nice little blowout in forty nine the other day, and yeah, it'd be te- you know tested for class. It's it's rare though these days to see a horse with of his quality that has five wins and only one of them. You know, he's only running a stake one time.
0: Yeah. No, well, you know how Chug, he likes to go through his conditions and build up a horse's confidence, which is the way I, I agree. I like to see happen, but it's pretty rare nowadays. Horses will go from a non-winner's a one, you know, right into a grade three. It's a little different today than it was yesterday. I'll tell you one thing, Chuck. A uh, performer's working really well. He's been work. He worked, actually. In company on November sixteenth in that three quarter race with Code of Honor, they went head to head. which was pretty cool to watch those two go at it.
1: Yeah, Code of Honor, who who ran second in the Clark the other day. Yeah, um, he ran well. He, he ran a good race. He's yep. You know, I yep. think he's a good horse. I think that sometimes horses, kind of with that pedigree and, and you know the Shugs got them, you you keep expecting them to get better and better and. And he kinda he seemed like he kinda plateaued a little bit this year or, is as well and that he's a good horse but he's just not quite broken through and maybe he comes back uh next year and I think he's I think he's pointing him to the or, he's tentatively he's pointing him to the uh the Pegasus as well. Yeah. And yeah,
0: no, I mean I guess he could possibly have two potential runners in the Pegasus if all went well with performer, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But Co- Code of Honor is a is a cool little horse, Chuck. He He's not very big in stature, but he always shows up on the day, and you have to respect him for that.
1: No, that that he does, and he he's he tries hard. He does try hard. That's that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and he gives he gives everything
1: he has. And uh, unfortunately, he 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 was a victim of the Bodie Express the other day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, where'd that
1: come from? He finally broke through and 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 ran a a real race at a at a at a real track. You <laughs> know, in, in a you know, it's uh, he he's a quirky, funny horse, man. He, he yeah. really is. But yeah,
0: I mean, he has some ability, but uh, to think that he was going to come with that effort in the Clark, uh, I didn't see
1: it. No, I can't say that I saw it either, but. But he did run. He he ran lights out. It was uh, it was a really it was a really strong performance. And you know the one thing about Bodie Express is it's always interesting because you never <laughs> even know if he's going to get saddled or if he's going to get out of the paddock, if he's going to go in the gate, if he's going to run around. Yeah. And so he he keeps everyone on their toes. But uh, he, he th- those guys did a good job with that horse. They persevered with him. And the fact of the matter is that outside of a, a couple races in a row where he just didn't run any good at all. He's a pretty consistent horse, and, and, and he, he's, he's, uh, he, he's been first or second or third and, uh, a lot in his career. Mo- most of his races, he's hitting the board, and he just, uh, you know, had never really shown that kind of ability. I know he had run a negative three on the thorough in the race, which was a blowout at Gulfstream Park West, um, where he was just, you know, you could have definitely ridden him that day, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, you know, kind of an interesting thing. So the I guess Gopher... he'll go on
0: the Pegasus too, Chuck. Who's that? I guess Bodie. Oh, for will sure. For oh, he'll
1: he'll go on the he'll yeah. go on the Pegasus for sure. Um, kind of the uh, the the Philly version of the the Cigar Mile, the Gopher Wand, which is named after the great Philly. Trained by Billy Badger.
0: What a filly she was! Yeah.
1: Um, this race is really lacking in in star <laughs> power. I mean, there's just uh, it, it's just seemingly um, uh, it, it's it's maybe a, a competitive betting race because there's no there's no stickouts at all. I think the favorite will probably be uh, what do you think? Nona Madeline is she running?
0: Yeah, I mean, Nota Madeline is. Uh, she's supposed to be running, and she's definitely the favorite. You know, half off of her decent second in the Turn Back the Alarm, going maybe a little too far. Chuck, at the end of the day, a mile and an eight for her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the cut back to the one-turn mile might be might be what uh, she's looking for, but I, I don't know that I want to take her at uh, at a blinking yeah, light number. Favorite. But there there's uh, who who else is, is is um is scheduled to run in this race?
0: Uh not too many, Chuck. You're looking at uh, Graceful Princess from the Pletcher Barn, a well bred uh Philly who really hasn't fulfilled her potential as a two year old. Then you have uh Portal Creek for Juan Carlos Guerrero, who's coming in from parks off of uh a pair of uh, big-figure wins going through, you know, conditions and now stepping up, probably looking for some type of black type. She's she's a speedy sort. Then also you're looking at uh, Sharp Star from the Horacio De Paz barn uh, coming off a colossal victory against, you know, New York, where she's a nice, nice three-year-old money filly she won a condition allowance race by you know almost 16 lengths, and you know ran a big number. I guess you know they're looking for you know everyone's kind of looking for black type here. I think they have the same idea with a small field, Chuck. And you have these fillies and mares that have some pedigree. You know if you can hit the board in this spot, you're going to increase your value immensely.
1: Sure. I mean, other than
0: other than the horses that I said, Chuck, uh, there's only like two other possibles. And I, you know, Gone Glimmering, who's been on a roll uh, since she was claimed uh, by Rob Attress. She, uh, you know, was claimed for 40000 and then she won back-to-back races, going seven-eighths, you know, in a two-other-than condition. And that's about it, Chuck. I mean, espresso shot is possible. She just won a stallion stake race a couple weeks ago for uh, George Abreu. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 not really a stellar bunch, Chuck.
1: Yeah, it didn't. Uh, just looking at the noms, it just didn't uh, look like it was a uh, it was a real a real uh, representative event for a Grade Two type of race. Certainly not not the quality that the cigar is. Um, not the
0: quality of the name of the race. That's for sure.
1: No, Gopher One would. I could ride Gopher One and beat these horses, and that would be a. It would be a monumental task getting me on the horse.
0: Just to leg you up.
1: What about the 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 demoiselle? Um, it seemed like it, it, it was there wasn't um, a whole lot of. Uh, I thought the nomination list was a little shorter than I thought it would be. And um, what's uh, what's the field looking like in that race?
0: Uh the demoiselles a little bit of a bigger field. You're gonna get uh Cafe Society from the Shug McGahey Barn, uh Mocha, long shot winner and debut for Mitch Friedman, uh Celestial Cheetah from the Jeremiah O'Dwyer barn, uh Dollar Mountain, a recent maiden winner for George Weaver, and then you know, the the big horse is gonna be Malatat for you know Todd Pletcher. Then Malibu Curl uh, for Tommy Albatrani. And I guess the pronunciation would be Millis Fuel for Billy Mott. A nice, silly. That was an impressive Maine winner. All
1: right. Do, do you have a mountain in the race or no?
0: Yeah, actually, we picked up Dollar Mountain for George Weaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a winner off the turf going a mile and the 16th. So one would think that the distance could possibly be in her wheelhouse, Chuck. Sure, It was a full-horse race that day. Right. So, but she did win impressively, drawing away from a nice Pletcher filly that day named Traffic Lane. And uh, it's going to be a tall order for anyone to beat Malatat in here, Chuck. She's uh, a curling filly out of a mare that you remember named Dreaming of Julia, who sure. could really run. Absolutely. You know, and uh, she was super impressive in her maiden win and
1: her tempted win. Yeah, you figure by curling out of uh, Dreaming of Julia that uh, the, the switch to two turns and going a mile and eighth uh, yeah, shouldn't I be a big issue. That would be in a wheelhouse, definitely. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it looks She's like on. It's, it's kind of, um, again, it's a sign of the times and that you have the Demoiselle, and most of the horses that are running have run once or twice. And, yeah. and now they're already stretching to a mile and an eighth, which, uh, you know, this, this is, there's not, there's just not many mile and an eighth two turn races for two year olds anywhere. No. Uh, Belmont obviously no. can't run two turn races going, uh, at that distance. Um, Churchill really mostly has mile and a 16th races, uh, California, the same, same thing. They just don't, they just don't write them this long. And, uh, you know, for a horse with with a pedigree that that says it, it wants to go longer, this is you know probably a probably an interesting kind of race to take a shot in. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have, like you said, a filly that wants to go a little longer, there's just nowhere to run, really.
1: Yeah, that's 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 difficult. That that's one of the things people um, may not understand uh, that people that don't own horses or don't uh, train horses or aren't agents. In that it's very difficult to get a lot of the longer dirt races, especially to fill, because tracks are very cognizant of field size. And for whatever reason, and, and, and a little bit of it is probably because there's so much grass racing. Um, and a horse that maybe had a little bit of a grass pedigree that would, you know, they wanted to go long in the old days because there wasn't so many grass races, they would probably take shots going uh, at the distance. Um, but now there's, there's so many grass races that if you have a horse that really has any kind of turf pedigree, you don't need to run on the dirt. And, and it's, it's difficult to get races, um, two turn dirt races to go anywhere. Uh, it just is. It, it, they go for the bottom level claiming races, the, obviously the stake horses, they get them. But other than that, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a lost, uh,
0: yeah, lost the heart. Lost the heart of...
1: of mm-hmm. I, I'd still say that the most amazing race in Cigar's streak was his kickoff race um, following the Cigar Mile, which was in the Naira Mile at that point, um, mm-hmm. when he won a 4 other than, going a mile and a 16th at Gulfstream opening week in an eight-horse field where no one scratched. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. it said. Number one, it's a four other than, right? Like, that race doesn't exist anymore. Number two, it was a mile and a sixteenth. It was a two-turn four other than. And number three, the horse who just blew out the the best horses in New York in, in a... Um, in the Naira Mile is in the race, and everybody said, ah, that's all right. We'll, we'll take a shot at him for I think about twenty-four thousand dollars. The purse was <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. If they, if they, if somehow, some miracle, they got the car to that race. Everybody scratch would be a three-horse race. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but yeah,
0: uh, put out the scratch card for sure. It's funny that you say that because I always remember being down there, you know, working that they would always get that four of them to go on grass or dirt. Yes. You know, all the years I was there, and it was like, you know, it was always a killer race. I mean, there was always somebody that was real good in there, and, you know, they were prepping, coming back off a layoff, because they would put in the claws in the condition, you know, hadn't won since a certain date. So that would enable the horse to slide in under the conditions.
1: Yes, You know, you remember when, and this is another thing that's kind of a lost art is when they would bring horses back at a sprint race, like a, an established stake horse going long in the dirt. Uh, I remember Unbridled came back in a in a sprint race at Gulfstream, and uh, I remember another year Turkmen made his his debut at, at a turf or excuse me a uh, a seven furlong race at Hialeah, and
0: oh, I think I remember that race against Place. Deviled, right? Yeah, it was. No? It was
1: like a good field and Unbridled's race. I think Cherokee Run was in the race, and everybody thought, well, you know, unbridled's never going to get on track quick. Cherokee Run's going to have a big jump, and 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 unbridled went up. He went by him like he was t- tied to the rail. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think in the Turkmen race, that they actually told the stewards and made the announcement before the race, he was going to work an extra eighth past the wire. Mm-hmm. That they used to yeah, do back that back
0: in the day when they would do that. I remember they would do that with really good horses, Chuck. When they brought them back off a layoff, and they were running a shorter distance and they really wanted to run, they would always gallop out, you know, an extra eighth or you know, an extra quarter after the wire. You don't see that anymore.
1: No, no, not at all. I, I, I think Easy Goer, when he came back, uh, is a three-year-old. Didn't they run him in the the um, the Swell? And then, then yeah. in the Bayshore, yeah. then the Gotham, then the Wood. Yeah. So yeah. he he brought him back in in two sprints, two 7 seven-eighths races. And then he ran the mile, and the track was wicked fast that day. But he ran the mile in what like one thirty two and four, some crazy time. He just blitzed that field in, in the Gotham. That was uh, yeah. that was that was nuts. But uh, yeah, that was a thing. And you tell people now, they're like, "What?" It's like, yeah, like they would have brought Tiz the Law back, and they would have run him seven-eighths. <laughs> like huh, why would they do that? Well, it's, it's, it's just what they did. And it's, it's kind of, you know, just, uh, different era. yeah, just a, a, a different era. No, no doubt about it. But, um, uh, the one race we haven't spoke about that, that's going to be, uh, kind of a, uh, one, one of the, the first kickoff legs for the triple crown season, um, is the the Remsen, which is a a Grade Two, hundred and fifty thousand dollar race, but it, it's also a race that uh, you can earn points for the the uh, the Derby with. Not many points, I think ten points for the winner, but uh, it is a a Derby prep, and um, it it seems like uh, a pretty a pretty solid group of horses in there. Yeah,
0: Chuck, uh, it looks like a small but select group. Uh, you're going to see Brooklyn Strong from the Danny Velasquez barn, New York bred. Recent winner is Sleepy Hollow. Uh, you're also going to look at a known agenda, a colt from the Todd bond, a curling colt that broke his maiden going this distance, a mile and an eighth at Aqueduct. Uh, you're also going to see Picking time, the recent winner of the Nashua going around one turn, the Jersey Bridge. Uh, You're also looking at Speaker's Corner, a nice street sense for Godolphin, for Billy Mott, who broke his maiden at Belmont going Uh, 7-8. was the talk of the town at Saratoga, where he went off about 3-5 first time out and uh, disappointed somewhat in a. An okay, third, and then was able to come back and you know break that maiden. And then there's a Colt uh, by the name of Ten for Ten, Frosted Colt for Shog McGay. He was second in the recent Nashua behind picking time. He's a nice Colt. He's got some speed. And that's about it, Chuck. That's about it.
1: Yeah, I remember um Speaker's Corner was was like the international good tip and, and then the horse just kind of broke sluggishly and 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 just kind of got lost in that field and and made a little bit of a run down the stretch and 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 galloped out okay and um you know they took came back and you know uh, six five weeks later and um the horse looks like he's just getting going at the end the horse to me seems a little bit green and you know that pedigree street sense out of a Bernardini mare you you would think the further they go the better for him right.
0: Yeah, definitely, Chuck. And uh, the maiden race that he won at Belmont on October 11th was a real good race. I thought it was probably the best two-year-old race run this year. The top four horses, uh, the second horse is a real nice colt for uh, Brad Cox named uh, Caddo River, Mm -hmm. who just recently broke his maiden at Churchill, I believe. He's definitely one to watch. And greatest honor, the third colt, uh, was from the Shug McGahee barn that day. And he's a Colt Chuck that I'm gonna want you to watch because he he ran a mile and eight that that day for his first time and I believe that was his second start of his career, if I'm not mistaken. And he was very green that day and uh, he actually ran you know, he ran second to uh, known agenda who's in, you know, who's in here right. from the Pletcher barn. And I thought he should have probably won that day, but his greenness cost him the victory, and I think that this is going to be a cult down the road that you're going to hear from.
1: Yeah, it seems like he, he takes a little bit of time to get on track in the races but finishes up with some interest. And in... Was the track slow that day? Or, or
0: Yes, it was incredibly slow, Chuck, to begin the aqueduct meet those first three days. It was like Jones Beach. I, can't, I cannot uh, emphasize how slow the track was.
1: So, so a deep track, known agenda, is fitness is coming back here in in less than a month. Probably is not going to be an issue for uh, for that uh, Curlin Colt.
0: No, that Colt definitely has some quality, Chuck. First time out at Belmont, he was second to a real nice Colt of Chad Brown's, name, Highly Motivated,
1: yes. who came
0: back and won. Like I believe it was opening day, uh, opening opening race of the second day of the Breeders' Cup. They ran. Uh, a nice two-year-old race. I don't remember. I think it was, think it was the, first, the first day. Uh, it's Friday.
1: Yeah, day. he set the track record.
0: Yeah, exactly. He set right. the track record. He ran like six and a half and 14 in a piece, and he's a really, really nice colt.
1: Yeah, the opening so, I mean, day of, yeah. uh, of Breeders' Cup Day was, uh, was the, the, the fastest horse that ever lived ever, Nashville.
0: Yeah, yeah, Nashville. I guess he's headed out to uh, San Anita. For
1: the Malibu. Yeah, yeah. But Lone uh, yeah. Agenda definitely has
0: faced uh, two, you know, quality opponents in his two starts. So he's definitely, you know, one to watch out for. Uh, of note, we did pick up the mount on uh, Picking Time, who was ridden by Trevor McCarthy last time, but uh, he's not going to be back to ride. So, you know, we we gladly accepted. And the Colt, he's more of a grinder, Chuck. Right. He doesn't have, like, a big turn of foot. Right. But, he always, you know, he tries, and he, I, I would think he'll get the distance. He's a son of stay thirsty, interestingly enough, out of a king of kings' mare, So there is some stamina in the pedigree, and I just think that'll keep on grinding, hopefully.
1: Well, th- that had to have been a, a wicked fast pace, considering the, the slowness of the yeah. track on November 8th to go 46 to the half. I mean, he was only yeah. a couple lengths off of it, and, and to still, you know, draw clear, That that's... Uh, I mean, he—he, he, he, you know, he's—he's he's the most experienced horse in the race, and I mean, he's got three wins too. That—that that can't hurt.
0: Well, what you say is true about the pace, Chuck. It was supersonic, and ten for ten, the colt for Shug Gay is coming back in here, and that's why I'm scared of him because he actually hung in there, yeah. extremely well for those excruciating fractions on that day, and it looks like since Shug has put the blinkers on this colt. Uh, the light is somewhat gone on, and he could be dangerous as well. So it's a nice little race, truck.
1: You know, it's funny because Shug doesn't like using blinkers. I mean, you don't yeah, see I very know. many horses if like Shugs them, run he put with blinkers.
0: On Mrs. Danvers and he quick too. So yeah. sometimes these horses just need them.
1: The gray Mrs. Danvers.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, she's almost one. She's like she's a beautiful looking filly.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was she was impressive the other day.
0: Yeah, she was super impressive. I mean, that was her first time around two turns. And uh, she really ran a hole in the wind chart. I don't know what she ran on the sheets, but I know she ran a huge buyer number that day.
1: Well, these, uh, you know, this, this is a really kind of an interesting race. I think there's a lot of interesting prospects that are, are going to be better f- three, four months from now than, than they are maybe now. And maybe the horse that wins the race, the, you know, wins the battle but doesn't win the war. And uh, there, there are I don't know quite a few horses in in this race that that seem like they have some ability and and have a pedigree that says the the uh, you know getting on the the Derby trail is is not uh, completely out of the question. And uh, you know, but the the two the two boys races seem like you know real solid races. The two girl races seem like they might be lacking a, l- a little bit. But uh, you know, this time of the year, you know a lot of, like I said most most of the, winter outfits have already relocated and um it was kind of the stragglers
0: yeah, yeah the two colt the two colt boys races are, are very good chuck it's funny now because the remsen they always talk about the remsen jinx horses that have been winning the remsen the last few years have gone on to do nothing at all whereas yesteryear it was an important race
1: <laughs> right right well you know it's so funny that those things kind of get so overblown in that you're talking about one race a year, one horse in one race, you know, (laughs) there's so many different things that can happen to one horse in one race. And, uh, I mean, look at storm, the court, right? He he wins the breeders cup, he becomes champion two year old horse and he never wins another race. I mean, it it wasn't because he won the breeders cup. Had he run second in the breeders cup, (laughs) he wouldn't have been, you know, a lot more successful. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. It's,
0: yeah, reminds me of Icebox. He won the Florida Derby and never won a race again. Well, Monarcho, he won the Kentucky Derby and I don't think he ever won a race
1: no. again as well. No, I don't think he did. I don't think. I don't yeah. think he did.
0: They yeah. were good on the day.
1: There's, there's always a bit of randomness in those races. You know, the one thing about those classic races and and the, even like the Breeders' Cup races is that you're getting a full field almost all the time. And the Derby, of course, is you know a, a an insanely full field and so many of the horses are used to running in five six seven horse fields where they're getting to find their comfort zone in the race most of the time and when you you run in a big race and there's 13 or 14 or you know in the derby's case 20 you're not able to easily find that that cruising speed or, or or you know find that stalking position uh, and if you're a, a front runner, a lot of times you're gonna have company and it's just um it's just a different uh, a different kind of uh thing and and it, I think it leads to some randomness in that the right horse at the right time with the right trip and you know, get getting a little lucky doesn't hurt either.
0: You know, luck always plays a big part in horse racing Chuck, as you well know.
1: <sighs> Unfortunately, yeah. What did I say? Lucky people hit the lottery. <laughs> Not me. I don't,
0: yeah, I don't know that guy.
1: Not me. I can't. Even, I, I played. I, I told. I, I tell you this. I played five tickets the Powerball the other day. I had. I had thirty different numbers. I got zero. <laughs> I get, Is that a quick pick? Yeah. I said, you know, oh, boy. I should get something for that. I should get like two bucks yeah. or something for that. Like that's hard to Definitely. get zero numbers when you have Some kind of
0: consolation prize. yeah
1: like man I, I didn't you know <sighs> powerball i' I'll, I'll probably hit powerball and lose the ticket i never know <laughs> <laughs> uh nah. these days it's 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 hard to even go to the store it's such a pain in the ass yeah
0: hey, you better have a mask too
1: oh yeah oh yeah Mask And not
0: to stick the place up
1: mask masks up bro uh, you better have them on these days or some seventy eight year old lady's gonna whack you over the head with her umbrella. But what are you are you hearing anything about um I know New York is getting more and more locked down. Um is, is there any kind of rumors going around about what, what's gonna happen with racing?
0: Um, hopefully the show will be able to go on. Uh right now they're allowing owners to go to the races.
1: Right, right.
0: I think that might come to a stop. You know, hopefully not. But
1: uh, can't they I just mean, they, knock on
0: wood? So far, so good, Chuck.
1: They could just go to the casino side and and, and pretend they're smoking a cigarette like those other people that's do. That's
0: True, that's true. Yeah, I, guess, I, I hope the casino stays open. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 the thing is we're mm-hmm. we're 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 tethered to these casinos and yep. you know we're they,
0: all in. We're all in. If
1: they go, if they if they go go dark, then. Uh, a, a lot the of our personal goes dark with, with them. But um yeah. Gulfstream of course was going to have uh fans, I think up to fifty percent capacity, but that's been changed and mm. um you know, which which I think it just trying to get the meat kicked off, get through the year and start off maybe next year if things change for the better with the the numbers and the pandemic, maybe maybe we could see that. But I think the important thing is to keep racing going.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Just play it safe and just keep the game going. I mean, I mean, it's great if the fans can get out there. I mean, believe me, nobody wants to go to the races more than me, but, uh, like you said, it's all about keeping, keeping the races going and staying safe.
1: True. That's very true. And, and, you know, I've been to the races, um, a couple of times during the pandemic and, it's like believe me when you go there and there's nobody there or there's just a few people there it's like worse than not than than going at all i mean it's it's just like it's not what you expect you know you go to the races and you have a certain expectation level of a certain number of people there a certain element of you know the, the the sounds you hear the the track announcer the Call to the post to hear the horses warm up. The people talking. There's always some guy rooting for the seven horse at the you know Laurel simulcast. But when you get there and, and there's like hardly any noise and there's hardly any people, it's just weird.
0: Yeah, it's it's real eerie, Chuck. I was going to Belmont, you know, basically almost every day because they were allowing agents to go to the races in the afternoon as well as owners. And when you walk in, it's just so. I mean, like you said, just uh, eerie and, you know, quiet. And, you know, I like to watch races outside with my binoculars. And when the horses would come out onto the track, you could hear the riders, like, talking, you know, to the outrider or even to each other sometimes, which probably they wouldn't be doing if other people were there. Right. But it was so strange that I could hear clearly exactly what they were saying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, it is. And fun. then you could
0: hear, you could hear the whip as well. I mean, they have these poppers on the end, of these whip, these nerf poppers. Right. And, you know, it sounds a lot worse than it is, but, you know, you can distinctly hear it coming off the quarter pole, you know, with no one there.
1: I, I was at, uh, Gulfstream early in the pandemic and, and they hadn't, they weren't, um, they weren't showing, the races on the infield tote board and they didn't have a call. Like Pete was doing the call, but it wasn't going to the, out to the track. So it it was just, it was just so weird when the the race is off and it's, and it's quiet, you know, it just, it's just weird. It's just a a strange feeling. And then I, I just was like, man, it's, this isn't fun and and you know there's a social aspect you go to the races and you see people and and you know there's always the characters that you see there and guys you talk to and you know you talk about races and you know in New York, we always wind up you know getting in arguments with each other about stupid <laughs> stuff but but it's it's that that's missing and, and you don't get that at home you know you sit at home, what do you do? you wind up arguing with yourself or like you know or or, or, or the worst you lose you lose connection like at the when they hit the quarter pole. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, that happened the other day. I was watching a race on TVG, thinking it just went out. I was
1: like, "Gee." Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's it's funny the things that you, you miss, just the little things, just showing up at at the races and going and seeing, uh, you know, seeing friends or seeing guys, and um, you know, missing the. And, and I talked about it with Barry last night about how racing, you know, the the experience of going to the races has changed and. I remember when I was working at Yonkers, and I would go over to Belmont, um, you know, and I'd have to leave early because we would, you know, have to get back there for six o'clock, but even that, even then, and we're not talking, you know, 1960, there was people going to the race, especially on like a Saturday, you know, there was a lot of people um, compared to now, and, and there was a buzz, you know, um, and that just kind of gone, and, and you know, you maybe hit Saratoga a little bit, and you, you go to Keeneland on a big day, and... The big days are still like that, but it's the other days where it's it's just uh, it's just so different, and uh, I kind of miss that. You know, you miss that feeling like you're going to some see something, and and uh, you know the the crowd kind of o- always energizes. It, it's even weird, like you watch football, and some of the stadiums have people in them, and some of the stadiums have nobody in them, and it's just so so different, like to see a stadium when. And they've done a pretty good job at like not showing the um, the crowd, yeah. or the lack of crowd. But
0: Very empty stands.
1: It, it's just uh, baseball is really weird, you know, because they had the stupid cardboard cutouts, <laughs> and you know they're not moving. <laughs> so like uh, after like five pitches, you're like, this just this looks, this this looks weird, you know. It, it just doesn't look weird. Roy Roy Williams has a sweater vest on, by the way.
0: Probably oh, does. Oh, yeah, man. so
1: there might have been a prop yeah, to no see. Yeah. How uh, how many minutes till Roy rips the sweater vest off? No,
0: nah, Roy's not gonna do that. He's a cool customer.
1: <laughs> the Camping World Maui Invitational from North Carolina.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, Chuck, they got some good games tonight. Yes. They have uh Kansas and Kentucky and Duke and Michigan State. Those are gonna be some really good games.
1: You know, I- I've been kind of Like, you you get these internal debates, at least people like me do, people that don't have that much else going on. Like, do I really want to get invested in the college basketball season this year if, like, in, in like, mid-January they say, all right, we're shutting it down. It's like, man, you know, like, even the NBA, I, I wonder about, you know, they're not going back to the bubble. And, I mean, they're playing games three weeks from now.
0: It yeah, just ended.
1: The they just had they yeah. just drafted guys. They just had free agency. And like all of a sudden, like, you know, the pandemic numbers are looking worse. The Raptors are in Tampa. <laughs> and and um I, you know the bubble was a gigantic success. It was a huge success. No, no positive, zero. And you know, no interruptions, no issues, no refs, no coaches, no, no nothing. And now they're gonna just play in front of empty stadiums and you know. And I guess you know the the 49ers the San Francisco 49ers because of Santa Clara County passed some ordinance they they moved they picked up and moved to Arizona yeah. for That's the next crazy. three weeks so they're, they're not even going to be there so like Stanford is in the same county so I, I'm not sure what that means for their basketball team if, if they have to like literally leave the county to practice or, or it's mm. it's you know th- that's the thing about this pandemic that racing has really done a really good job and that we've for the most part avoided a- any real big issues I mean Colonial was like the really only uh, track that, that just absolutely got uh, you know blasted because they were running short meat anyways but um, you know we'll see and, and, and like I said the rules have been uh you know, to certain places, different places, they've been a little bit kind of annoying in some ways. But uh, but overall, it's 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 worked, and hopefully we can just uh, get through until things get better and everybody gets the vaccination or whatever the hell's going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah hope. That's all we can do is hope, Chuck.
1: That is true. I know
0: one thing, Chuck. If I told you back when we were at Tampa Bay that we'd be going to a possible Raptors game, you would say I was out of my mind. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine the the Tampa Bay Raptors?
0: I mean, you you can't even make that one up.
1: You know, it's funny because I I didn't I hadn't even thought about like, hey, you know, teams aren't going to be able to travel across the border because you know they have like rules and laws, and it just kind of came out of the blue. And oh yeah, the, Toronto's going to play in Tampa. Oh, <laughs> They are.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You, know, you got to do. You, you got to see if we can't get Fred Van Vliet out to Tampa Bay Downs.
0: Yeah,
1: right. get a get get a get Grunder calling a, the maybe they'll have Grunder be like the the radio announcer for the the Raptors.
0: It's a good name for a horse,
1: Van Vliet. Van Vliet.
0: <laughs>
1: well, they, they they named one Grunder. Yeah, I
0: saw that. I saw
1: it's a great Richard that. Grunder.
0: He's a character, to say
1: the He sure is, and and you know the funny thing about him is that. He's a fixture. There. If if anyone else called races at Tampa, you would be like... It, it would be completely... I never remember any race where he didn't call the race. I mean, I don't ever remember him taking a day off, uh, ever. I don't, no, you know, I'm no sure it's off. happened, but... <sighs> Crazy. The great Richard Grunder.
0: That is a staple.
1: Yep. Tampa Bay would be a completely different place without him. But... Uh... That's the world we live in and that's that's what we got to deal with. But uh Jay, I, I appreciate your time uh in between hoop games and uh hopefully you guys knock out a couple wins this weekend and and everything goes well.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: All right, Jay. Thank you. That's uh Jason Bidas, agent for Jose Lescano. Um, I had a nice weekend last weekend. Hopefully they can, they can do some good, some good this weekend. uh, appreciate everyone listening and we will be back next Tuesday, probably talk a little bit about the claiming crown and, and what went on there. And, uh, until next week, uh, hopefully everyone stays safe and, and move along. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. This is the Going in Circles Podcast, hosted by Horseman,
0: Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email Podcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Mm-hmm.